Santana, The Who, Joan Baez, Joe Cocker, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Sly and the Family Stone, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Let's peek inside the mind of a boomer. This is Boomer Randomness, a podcast dedicated to the baby boom generation with random observations about boomer life from boomers, including topics like music, movies, memories, marriage and divorce, retirement, bucket lists, kids and grandkids, travel, and a whole lot more. Here's your boomer host, Bernie Lucas. The Boomer era saw many musical milestones, most notably, in my opinion, The Ed Sullivan Show and Woodstock. The Ed Sullivan Show was a weekly TV show spanning almost 23 years, which introduced us to many acts, including Elvis and the Beatles. Woodstock was a music festival spanning three and a half days that also introduced many acts to those who were there, as well as the rest of us who saw the movie, bought the soundtrack albums, and listened to the artists through the ensuing decades. The 54th anniversary of the Woodstock Festival was this past summer, and I should have done a podcast episode on it sooner, but I'm doing one now. The uh, full title of this historic event was the Woodstock Music and Art Fair. The posters advertising the festival called it an Aquarian Exposition, three days of peace and music. Woodstock happened on the weekend of August 15th through the 18th, 1969, and is considered by many as the most significant music festival of all time. It launched many music careers and further established the popularity and significance of many others. The event was originally planned to be in the town of Woodstock, New York, but the city rejected it. Other sites were investigated, but they were rejected for a variety of reasons, mostly the anticipated crowd size. It was ultimately held at Max Yasger's Dairy Farm near Bethel, New York. I hope I'm saying that right, Bethel. After all these years, I'm still not sure. There were so many delays that just days before the scheduled start date, the stage hadn't been completed yet. Promoters had to choose between finishing the fencing and the gates or finishing the stage. Three-day tickets were $18 in advance. $24 at the door. That translates into today's dollars as $120 advance, $160 at the door, which would still be kind of low by today's normal concert pricing. And that would be for like a couple of acts and not all of these, not a whole festival. Advance tickets were available at record stores in the New York area or through a post office box in Manhattan. Quite a difference from getting tickets now, right? 186,000 tickets were sold in advance, more than three times the original expectation. At some point during the event, Woodstock became a free concert because of the unexpected overwhelming crowd crush and those unfinished fence sections. A total of 32 acts played on the Woodstock stage. 13 were solo acts with backing bands and 19 were groups. Promoters initially had trouble attracting popular bands, but that all changed after they booked Creedence Clearwater Revival. The lineup and musical diversity were incredible. Here's just a partial list. Arlo Guthrie, Joan Baez, Santana, John Sebastian, Joe Cocker, Janis Joplin, The Who, Jefferson Airplane, Sly and the Family Stone, The Grateful Dead, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Blood, Sweat & Tears, Sha Na Na, and The Band. 
The festival opened that Friday afternoon with Richie Havens and ended Monday morning with Jimi Hendrix. Richie Havens wasn't supposed to be the opening act, but massive traffic jams prevented the original opener, Sweetwater, from getting there on time. Havens had just two backup musicians with him, so it was easy to put him on the stage. He played through his set, but then was asked to keep playing until Sweetwater got there. So he made up the song Freedom on the spot, which ultimately became his signature song. Freedom, freedom, freedom. There's a pretty long list of singers and bands that passed on an invitation to play Woodstock. Jethro Tull said no because lead singer Ian Anderson didn't like hippies and naked women writhing around in the mud. Hmm. (laughs) The Doors said no, and band member Ray Manzarek said years later they were stupid for turning it down. The Moody Blues said yes, then said no because they got a gig in Paris on the same weekend. Chicago was originally on the lineup, but their manager rescheduled their show in San Francisco for the same weekend and sent Santana instead. Others who passed on Woodstock, The Birds, Procol Harum, Bob Dylan, who actually lived in the area at the time, and The Rolling Stones. At least one story said the Beatles were invited to play Woodstock, but they were recording Abbey Road at the time. There was talk of John Lennon being invited, but he couldn't get a visa to enter into the U.S. Another story says John Lennon would have played, but insisted that Yoko Ono's band play too, and the promoter said, uh, no. Joni Mitchell's manager encouraged her to say no because the traffic jams would have made her late for a TV appearance on the Dick Cavett show. Of course, she did ultimately write the song Woodstock, based on experiences Graham Nash told her about later. By the time we got to Woodstock, we were half a million strong and... Her version was released in 1970, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash also recorded the song. This is the Boomer Randomness Podcast. There were many outstanding performances at the original Woodstock Festival, but three stand out to me. And keep in mind, I was not there, but so this is based on the movie and the soundtrack. But these three, Joe Cocker and his band opened up the third day, Sunday, performances with a 13-song set, the last of which was his iconic cover of the Beatles song, With a Little Help from My Friends. Or as he said in his introduction, With a Little Help from Me Friends. He didn't do an encore because some big storms started rolling in right about that time. Jimi Hendrix closed the festival, but it was actually Monday morning around 9 or 8 or 9 in the morning before he hit the stage. He was booked to be the headliner and finale performer. Things were running so late Sunday night that he was given the option to go on earlier while the crowd was still a decent size, but he really wanted to be the finale with an even smaller crowd. We're familiar with his rendition of Star Spangled Banner. I kind of forgot until I was looking up all of this that it was not a standalone song in his set. It was actually part of a longer medley of songs. For me, the most memorable performance I saw in the movie and heard on the soundtrack was Santana's Soul Sacrifice. Because of the musicianship of the whole band, and the incredible talent of each member who each had a solo in that performance. 
I just watched that whole song again and it gave me chills. Santana was not all that well known at the time and their first album was still being produced. Their manager, Bill Graham, also managed The Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane and insisted that if those bands were on the lineup, they had to include Santana too. Santana's first album was released a few months later and Woodstock certainly helped launch their ultimate success. By the way, some performers at Woodstock are not in the movie, including Creedence Clearwater Revival, The Grateful Dead, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Janis Joplin, and others. Joplin wasn't included because producers thought her performance wasn't very good. She was in the middle of her heroin addiction at the time. Neil Young said no to cameras being on the stage during his part of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's set. Blood, Sweat & Tears thought their set didn't sound good and they hadn't given permission in advance to be filmed. There were sound and lighting issues during the Dead's set, so they're not in the movie either. There's plenty of mystique surrounding Woodstock, and its importance in music history is undeniably significant. But us boomers today would probably not enjoy some of the realities of actually being there. For example, sound systems in 1969 weren't like the ones today, even though they were pretty good for the time. So if you weren't one of the first 150,000 people there, you might not have been able to hear the music very well and certainly couldn't see the performers. No big screen TV monitors flanking the stage then. And it turned out the weather sucked during part of the festival. Lightning, downpours, mud. Restrooms, first aid facilities, and food service were haphazardly designed for about 50,000 people, not 450,000 plus. Mainstream media coverage of Woodstock was mostly negative. Some newspaper headlines read, Traffic uptight at Hippie Fest. Hippies mired in a sea of mud. And Nightmare in the Catskills. <laughs> TV coverage was mostly aerial shots of traffic jams. There have been a few anniversary and reunion events related to Woodstock, but none have had the impact or attendance of the original. The site is now somewhat preserved as the Bethel Woods Center for the Arts, and their website provides a wealth of information about the festival and the performers. It's BethelWoodsCenter.org. I'll also put that on, on the BoomerRandomness.com site. Even with close to half a million people there, it was largely peaceful weekend. There were three reported deaths, two from drug overdoses, and one from someone being accidentally run over by a tractor while he slept in a nearby field. There have been persistent rumors of births at Woodstock, but from what I can see, none were actually verified. I think the peacefulness of Woodstock is almost as important as the music. Max Yesger, owner of the site, when talking about the crowd, is quoted as saying, If we join them, we can turn those adversities that are the problems of America today into a hope for a brighter and more peaceful future. That thought from 1969 could apply to today, couldn't it? But when you talk about Woodstock, music is king. And some of that music is as appealing to this boomer's ears as it was in 1969. Hey, here's what's coming up on Boomer Randomness. Still working on that boomer dating thing. I'm also thinking about reading some poetry. (laughs) 
Uh, This is pretty random, right? And some reflection on a historic event that many boomers remember in great detail. Learn more about Boomer Life and sign up for episode updates at boomerrandomness.com. And check us out on the Boomer Randomness Facebook. Okay, Boomer, thanks for listening. And tell everyone you know about Boomer Randomness.